all right, I got to go. Got to do this. What a beautiful service we've had. And I just want to say I'm grateful that we're in a tradition where we allow the Holy Spirit to have some liberty. And, uh, and it really was a, a confirmation on what I'm going to be sharing, just what uh, Lacey shared. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about sharing with you this morning the message. Uh, we're going to be going to the book of Romans here in just a moment. But uh, good morning to you and to those who've joined us online. It's good to have you here uh, sharing this moment with us. Um, school is back and... Uh, and the parents are really excited. Maybe not, maybe not. But I can tell you this. When I was in grade school and junior high and high school, uh, we looked forward to school because uh, that 25 acres of land that we lived on was a work camp, probably an illegal work camp. So we thought, come on, September. <laughs> At least we get five days away from some of our chores. But, uh, and I think parents are a little excited about it. And kids should be. I don't know. Are kids excited about going back to school? They're not? Oh, we got to do something about that. They, they need to look forward to school. So uh, it was that way when I was growing up. Um, you know, there's, there was no Sabbath for us because we lived on a chicken farm and we had uh, 30,000 chickens we raised for people's dinner plates. Uh, we'd get them as little bitty chicks and we would feed and twice a day we'd have to go down and turn those feeders on make sure chickens are the dumbest animals you'll ever be around <laughs> have to keep them away from the chain because they'll jump up and they'll they'll just ride the chain right into the feeder you know we have to pull them out and some of them didn't make it and he's like you know you're committing suicide here you just couldn't we had to, and it was work. We did it Sunday. We did it every day. There was no day there was that we were exactly off. So I guess the Lord forgave us for not practicing the Sabbath. Uh, it was necessary. But uh, I've titled the message this morning, Not Guilty. And, uh, and I really didn't know how to title this. I titled one message one time, I Fought the Law and the Law Won. And I used to come up with pretty good titles. Now it's just generic titles, you know, not guilty. Um, you know, there's the, when we go to the book of Romans, and, and uh, I just think there's so many great books in the Bible, right? Uh, the four Gospels, uh, you can read them all the time. Uh, the book of Acts, even Genesis. How about Psalms? Do you get much out of Psalms? It's just loaded with not just worship, but truth, theology. Uh, Proverbs, how about Proverbs? Pretty good place to go, place of wisdom. Now, if Leviticus is your favorite book in the Bible, I applaud you, because that's really something. Uh, probably all the other 65 books are your favorite books as well. But over in the New Testament, we, we do have Acts, we have Hebrews, um, there's, there's all kind of great books there, but Romans, Romans is such a great book. And I didn't really cherish that until in Bible college, Dr. R. Paul Wood was our professor and he was teaching Romans and he required us to read a book called The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. I never even heard of the book, but I was reading about three or four chapters into the book. I said, have I ever read Romans? 
I don't know where I've been. Maybe I was just like reading it word for word and not really grasping. But we're going to take you, you know, you got to read Romans 5, 6, and 7. If you're going to read any part of Romans, read those three chapters because it gets you ready for what? Chapter 8. Chapter 8 just stands along great. But when you read 5, 6, and 7, that leads up. And we're going to go to chapter 5 as well. But it leads up to these opening words. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now, whatever you're reading, if it's on your phone or you have a Bible there, probably this second verse was a little different. This is in the ESV. There's some, somebody ought to come up and congratulate me that I'm reading out of the ESV. Uh, but I'm going to also show where ESV kind of takes a U-turn here in a little bit. But I want to focus on that word, there is therefore now no condemnation. If you're reading out authorized verses, who's walked not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And so that's in, in late manuscripts. I'll say something about that in just a moment. But it's that word condemnation, katakrima is the Greek word, and it only appears three times in all of the New Testament. And you're reading the third one. And you don't have to go very far to find the other two because you can go to chapter 5 and read the other two places where this word condemnation. It actually means a sentence or a condemnation are the words you're guilty. You're guilty as charged. Condemnation is that legal word that says you are guilty, you are condemned to whatever sentence that you're in violation of. And so when he starts writing some of these wonderful things in chapter 5, we're going to pick this up in verse 15. If you're there, Romans 5, verses 15 through 18. It reads like this. And these are the, the other two places that the word condemnation, katakrima, is used by Paul. Only three places in all of the New Testament. He uses it three times in this one book, this one letter. But the free gift is not like the trespass. And we are talking about things that people can be convicted of and, and, and be guilty of. So this guilt, this guilty or not guilty is in the balance. The free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by that grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abound for many. Verse 16, and the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. And that one man, if you want to write in, or maybe we'll know that he's talking about Adam, what Adam did and what Christ did. For the judgment following one trespass, Adam's failure, brought condemnation, brought a sentence of guilt upon mankind, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. He's talking about what Jesus did. For if because one man's trespass, death reigned, death had control through that one man, Adam, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. 
Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation, that's the second time this word is used, for all men, for all of us. So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. In verse 16, the free gift is not like the trespass. And he's speaking of Adam's sin. The free gift following many trespasses brought justification. And that canceled what was going on with the guilty verdict, the condemnation. Guilty as charged. But what is the, op- what is the, opposition of, what is the opposite of condemnation? It's not guilty. You're condemned, you're called guilty, you're condemned of everything that he wrote about in relation to Adam's sin. But the guilt is removed by Christ and what Christ did. Condemnation is our enemy. Anybody here have a tendency to condemn yourself? Be hard on yourself? I think what Lacey was saying kind of like, I went over this and I just believe I believe some of us here are really hard on ourselves and don't give us much space. And on the other side, I think the pendulum swings the other way that we're a little bit too free and we don't recognize the boundaries of grace, how God wants to keep us in communion with him and fellowship with him. And sometimes people kind of muddy the outline of that relationship where you can go and do things and, well, nobody's perfect and, and begin to excuse stuff that you really shouldn't be doing. And I think those two things are both. You can be too hard on yourself, but you also may not be as hard as you should be or as, as meaningful living as you should be. We do yearn for relief, don't we? How many yearn to have peace when you lay down at night that you you don't want to go to bed having a bad experience that day because it's hard to get that out of your head that's why I refuse to watch Alabama football late on Saturday night just refuse I I want peace you know I I went to bed at six at nine o'clock one night and it was maybe a year or two ago and we were going to play Ole Miss, and uh, I went to bed. I didn't see one play. Brennan says, you're not watching. I said, no, no, I'm, I'm, i got to preach tomorrow. I want to be in a good spirit. I don't, I don't want to watch anything that just stays in my head, and I can't go to sleep, and I'm not at my best. Turned out, I think we beat them 60-something to something. That was, that, now, see, I could get worshipful about that, you know, not even watching it. But sometimes we go to bed, we have something on us, and you You and I cannot rest when we know something's out of order. It might be we need to get up and go and say to to our spouse, hey, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have been short with you, or whatever we needed to do, but sometimes we can't correct it and we just stay there and we think, I wish I had that to do over again. Because we want relief. We want the relief from this heaviness. Why? Because we want to be free of condemnation. We don't want guilt on us. Amen. We, we don't want guilt. We, don't, we, want ha- we want to have a sense of relief that we can go to bed without thinking, I really was overbearing there. I, I responded too sharp there. I wished I had made some things right there. And, and we know that we're trying to avoid this sense of heaviness when we really need peace. And yet there's gnawing. And, and then we had this thing about unforgiveness in Sunday school. So it's just like falling into place. 
But I want to take you back to verse 17 again and read it again. Remember, Adam's sin, Adam's sin, I know this might seem semantical, but Adam's sin was not passed down to us. His sin was not passed down to us. What was passed down to us? His nature or the effect of his sin, which is death. You, you, he talks about the, all the trespasses that happened, but he says Adam's trespass, Adam's singular sin, which we know is what? He ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, I know people who blame Eve for the whole thing. I'm, I know a guy that's told me that that, that woman messed that man up. I'm not going to tell you who it is. You, you, you might know who it is, but he doesn't attend here. I'll just put it that way. So you don't have to worry about trying to, ah, I think it's him. But never does Eve come up and say, or, or Paul writes, it was Eve that brought this kind of stuff down. It's always Adam, that one man's trespass. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through, not sin. You know why we sin? Because we're sinners. We don't become a sinner because we sin. We sin because we're a sinner. We have a sin nature. We have a nature that wants to take shortcuts. It wants to abridge the rules. We, we just have this sense that we're going to try to get to the best spot we can be. And sometimes we cut across lines we shouldn't cut across. Death reigned through that one man. Much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. It goes from one trespass to the abundance of grace, that free gift of righteousness. Reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, we all have that sentence on us. So one act of righteousness leads to justification for life for all men. And I like in verse 15 and 17 that Paul uses these two words, much more. Much more. In verse 15, he used it. Much more have the grace of God. And in verse 17, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace, much more you have sin that is definitely a plague on the human race. But when God begins to deal with sin, he doesn't deal with it on an equal ground. He goes way above what sin does to us for what grace does for us. How much more the abundance of grace, the free gift of righteousness. Listen to... Um, what he added as a contribution to give, it is no longer a gift. We can't, we can't, we can, if we add anything to gift, it doesn't be, it's not a gift, is it? If we add anything to a gift, it ceases to be a gift. So the free gift of salvation, what can we add to it? We can add nothing to it. Not one iota, but he secured, Jesus secured eternal life for us and it's not contained in the idea of eternity looking in time, but it's a life now. Aren't you glad? It's eternal life now. We think, I just want to go to heaven. I walked across the parking lot yesterday of, of Walmart Marketplace, and this elderly lady, I shouldn't say elderly, she probably wasn't that much older than me. But, you know, I said, man, it's really warm today, isn't it? She said, it's not warm, it's hot. 
And I said, yeah, and that's why I'm glad I'm going to heaven and not the other place, she says, and I can't wait to get there. I was like, okay. <laughs> but it's, it's this free gift of salvation, eternal life. It's not contained in time, heaven and hell and eternity. It, yes, it does relate to that, but I believe he wants us to live eternal life now. Having freedom and joy and life, not just on Sunday or certain days, but great joy, great life all through the week. That's what he did for us. Watch my knee in the north. You know I was going to have to quote something from Watch my knee. Right, Nick? Yes, sir. <laughs> and, and I could quote all kinds of stuff from the normal Christian life. But here he writes this. The blood of Jesus, the blood procures our pardon for what we've done. The cross procures our deliverance from what we are, and that's sinners. The blood takes care of our offenses. The cross takes care of that nature in us that needs to be killed. That's why Paul said, I die daily. We are sinners saved by grace. Saved, and we're still being saved by grace. Continually saved by grace. But we deal with that sin stuff every single day. That's why Paul said, I die daily. Paul, man, had great revelation. Probably one of the most important people in the New Testament because he was an enemy of the church and it's flipped and becomes one of the apostles of the church and one of the great writers and missionaries of the church, established churches all over what is modern-day Turkey. He, I mean, every, so much stuff goes back to Paul, and it was God meeting him, Christ meeting him and changing him. And when he looked at life, he didn't say, I was the worst of sinners. He said, I am the worst of sinners. If you had a line saying, the worst of sinners, get in this line, Paul would walk up to a line and says, my spot is in the front. And the reason my spot is in the front is because I attacked the church and I killed people who were believers. I authorized their death. And, and all of that, God had mercy on me and forgave me and, and touched my life and made me an apostle. And this is why he never got away from that. He never let himself get too far away from who he used to be in gratitude for what Christ had done in his life. I want to take you back to Romans chapter 8. Because the person of Christ really defeated sin and defeated condemnation. And we have to walk in that newness of life. Listen to Romans 8 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And, and I'm, I'm, I tend to memorize this and say it, but let me read it from the ESV. For the law of the, life, of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. If you're reading out of a different translation, it's not, it's not in that order, is it? And it's not translated in the original order. I do not know why the ESV kind of switched places with some terminology because it doesn't go in that order in the manuscript, the Greek manuscript. It really goes like the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me Free. And it almost seems like we, we kind of lose some of the impact of that free word. 
For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Saying what? We're not guilty. We do not share in the guilt of sin any longer. All of that has been vanquished by the law of the spirit of life. And isn't it interesting that he uses the same word nomos that he did with the flesh, the sin and death. We think of the law, does anyone here think of the law as a negative word in the New Testament? We think of the law as that which opposes the purpose of God. Well, there's two different laws there. Here is the law, the, the prevailing principle of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from that other law. That other law did not have the power to resist what Jesus did in our lives. And I think that's important because the law of the spirit of life has made you free from all that other stuff. And here's where I think the enemy is very shrewd. He, he's, you know, I, I don't know why pi people picture him in a red outfit with a pitchfork and horns because that's, that, I don't know who came up with that. He appears as an angel of light. He's not going to show his true colors. He's a deceiver. He tries to, he, he doesn't really attack truth. He was, wants to modify it a little bit to where he adds something to it that, makes it not true. Are you following me? He just wants to take some, and this is where I think we are vulnerable, is that that tempter is always trying to muddy the water of our lives, muddy the parameters of our lives, and say, well, you know, that's not too bad. Look at so-and-so, they're into that, and, and they're in church, and, you know, not everybody's perfect, everybody's sin, and I've seen that word used, that phrase used, Sometimes in social media, everybody sins every day, so no matter what people are doing, it's, it's not that bad because everybody sins every day. But the power of sin has been broken so that we can really say, Lord, through your help, I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to commit that anymore. I am free from that. You have set me free, and there's no bargaining chip on the table when it comes to I am free from that sin. And I think that's what God wants to say to us, that you are free from stuff that's tried to hang on to you and hold you back from what God has for you. What about law? Nomos. It's mentioned 100, almost 160 times in the New Testament. But Paul uses it over half those times in his letters and 50-something times just in Romans. It's like, this is why, forgive me for saying this, but Romans is kind of like the crown jewel to, to me of the epistles because he deals with stuff that relates to our freedom and how we live our lives the, the theology of Romans explaining how we live and explaining the redemptive work of God. Law is that prevailing principle. It covers, lawlessness covers the headlines all the time, doesn't it? We have to look at Seattle, New York City, uh, San Francisco, and, you know, the lawlessness that's going on. But law in that regard is needed, but the law of the life, spirit of life in Christ Jesus is what he's talking about here. It's made us free from the law of sin and death. 
Paul's starting, is stating this as a governing principle in our lives. When we're converted, I wish, I wished I knew more of the Bible when I went to Bible college. When I got to Bible college, I said, I don't know where I've been. You know, I, I thought I read the Bible. I thought I knew the Bible. And then when I heard Carl Strader preach at First Assembly in, in Lakeland, here I am. I'm like, I just blurred out whatever I think. And in my mind, I said, well, that's not true. <laughs> and the reason I said I didn't hear anybody preach that. And I would open my Bible, and what he said was true. I was like, wow, where have I been? I, did, I missed that. The law of life in Christ Jesus is stronger. Listen, it's stronger than sin. It's stronger than stuff that pulls at you, that wants you to think that this is something you can't resist. And yet the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has said to you, you're not guilty. And you don't have to keep doing whatever keeps coming into your life and tripping you up and pulling you. Because I can tell you something, if you're living close to the Lord and you step away and you step out of bounds, guess what happens? You come under conviction. I knew a guy that worked at a dairy, and he was a rough guy. His, his brother came to our church, was saved in Jacksonville, and, his, and, and he brought his brother, and his brother was born again. It, it, had a, it had to be like a, he almost got killed in a boating accident, and I went up to see him in the hospital, and, uh, and I got to pray with him. And he really, in that time, he, he, he had a broken neck, he would have drowned in the boat that hit the piling if the people coming along didn't pull him out of the boat before it sunk. And he knew when I walked in, I was talking to him, he knew that it was only the grace of God that he didn't die. And one of his little drinking buddies came into the room and he said, well, Billy, you sure was lucky. And he said, well, if I was lucky, I wouldn't have hit the pier. He said, I know why I'm alive. And he accepted the Lord, worked at a dairy, and a cow kicked him. And out came these choice words. And um, the reason I knew it is he, he showed up at church. He said, I need to talk to you. I said, okay, what's wrong? He says, man, cow kicked me. And I just did it. I don't even know if I'm saved. I said, well, do you feel bad about it? Oh, yeah. See, you're saved. You're saved. If you said that and you didn't feel bad about it, that's a cause for concern. I said, the reason you feel bad about it is that some of that old habit showed back up. But what was going on there? What was going It's the law of life in Christ Jesus and the law of sin and death having a collision. And that law of sin and death was still having access to him. But it was amazing to see his transformation, the honesty. He's like, I messed up. I don't even know if I'm saved. But yet it was able to show him that. And I didn't really know Romans that much then. I've learned to love it much more since then. But these things collide. and the, They will collide in your life at some point where you cross over the line and, and the conviction of God. You ought to thank God for the times you're convicted. Because it lets you know that you're still, your spirit is still sensitive to the voice of God. You know the sin nature shows up pretty quick with children, doesn't it? Uh, there was a, a video I was, thought about giving to Shane to show, but it's like, I decided not to. But these three little guys standing in front of the mother and 
And it was all, one of them was all marked up, and she's confronting them. You've probably seen it. And, and he's just trying to his best to defend himself, but his two little brothers are not saying a word. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And uh, she finally kind of like, okay, use paper next time. But when a one-year-old, how does a one-year-old know how to throw food? Huh? Have you ever thought, who showed them how to do that? (laughs) You don't have to show it. It comes natural. Grab food and chunk it. Or a three-year-old. A three-year-old denying guilt. No, I didn't do that. No, I didn't do that. No. And they're red-handed. They're caught red. I didn't do that. Who taught them how to lie? Or like a five or six-year-old blaming their sibling for what they did. Who taught them how to do that? It's that sin nature. We, we want to step across the line, but we don't want to be responsible for stepping across the line. The great thing about children is their sincerity. And they are wide open to the gospel What could be holding us back from stepping into grace? Stepping into a place where we're not under condemnation. We're not not battling emotions within ourselves. And we're wondering why why I'm I'm not stronger now. I want to tell you something. There is grace for us. There is grace. There is forgiveness. There is hope. And we need to start surrendering our guilt and our condemnation to the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We need to decide that the stuff that wants to condemn us should not have jurisdiction over our souls and over our minds. The truth of God in this word has jurisdiction over us, who we are and what we're about. And we're mortal. We will mess up. We will step across the line. But thank God the Holy Spirit is there to say, this is a learning moment for you. You need to be more full of the Spirit than full of anger. I'm full of resentment. I'd like for the praise team to come back up. I'm going to read after, the couple of verses after Romans 8, 2. I think, you know what? I think young converts ought to have a good dose of Romans. You ought, you ought to just, like, spend some time in Romans. 5, 6, and 7, 8, great four chapters. Paul's talking about the liberty and the spirit, freedom from guilt, freedom from all of the stuff around us that seems to drag us down. Listen to verse 3. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. Listen to that. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, not in sinful flesh, but in the likeness because he was without sin, but he sent him into our world without the use of supernatural uh, ability just because he's the son of God. He laid aside that when he healed people it was the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon him, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and far sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Why? In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Isn't this something? Do you see the closing line of verse 4? What does it say? Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
Now, I don't want to take this just as a, a dig at ESV or anything else, but the, the authorized version has that line in verse 1. So it's still a principle, isn't it? Still a principle. It's even repeated, or maybe it was added to verse 1 in a manuscript when it's really part of verse 4. I don't know about you, but I need reminding of this, that I'm a mortal person who've been saved by the grace of God, and we're not perfect. And we never will be perfect in this life. That's why we need grace every day. That's why we need to be attentive to our own frailties and not get too confident in where we're at spiritually that something's gonna blindside us when we ought to be with our eyes wide open and knowing that I am what I am by the grace of God. I am what I am. Who can take credit for victory over sin? Only God, only Jesus. He defeated sin. But in his defeat of sin, he gives us power to walk in newness of life, not being subject to the enslavement of sin. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe all of us sin every day. You know, I, I used to tell Brenda, I said, I don't think you sin. You, you know, you hardly ever do anything that I said, well, that's a sin, you need to repent. <laughs> I wouldn't say that anyway. Bible says to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not that that's sin so that ought to kind of make us a little like aware Lord we really do depend on you we, we can feel like we cross the T's and dot the I's and we're trying we're just kind of like having we're walking it out and we're doing pretty well and but have we missed something that God wanted us to do and we didn't do it? What does that tell us? That we need His grace every single day. I want you to stand with me. And I know we've already had an altar time up here. But oh, it was, it was just like the altar call was given before I even preached. Because of people who are struggling. Struggling with condemnation, guilt, shame. You had high expectations of your life and, and maybe some, some, there's some here you do not have reasonable expectations. Your expectations are so high that it sets you up for frustration. Maybe that's what's going on in your life. But I do believe that God wants to give you Lord, I pray this morning for those who are struggling, struggling all in their own soul. They're not in conflict with someone else. They're in conflict within themselves. The battle is so intense sometimes within their own mind, their own soul. I wonder if I, am I ever going to get relief? Is this, is this in me, does it, will it ever leave? 
Lord, those who are in this room, that that's where they're at. They're, they're struggling. May this altar time be a time where you refresh them in your law, the law of spirit of life in you that makes them free from that other law that tries to impose its rules on them. And Lord, that people will leave here free today from something that's been hanging on their lives. So if that's you, could you just step out and come to the front and let us pray for you that God will give you peace, that he doesn't want you living under condemnation, he doesn't want you living under disappointment. Won't you come right now? We're going to believe God to take that, that idea off your shoulders and off your mind and release you and people come and pray with those who come because God wants us to have freedom. He wants us to be free. You've, you have battled unreasonable expectations. Let the Lord bring you relief today.